0: Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. This is Dave Mercer today with you. James Judd is taking a little break from this recording. We've got the studio all to ourselves here. I, I don't even think he knows that I... Had a copy of the key to get in, so don't tell him. Actually, there's no studio and there's no key. I'm just here at my house. But anyway, James and I are going to be uh, doing a couple separate. So we're going to continue this series today on teaching the people you disciple to obey everything that Jesus commanded. And that, of course, implies that we are obeying and know how to obey everything He's commanded or moving in that direction. What we're going to talk about today is, I think, about as practical as it gets. Jesus taught us in Matthew 5 in the the Sermon on the Mount. You know, it's around verse 21, 21 to 25, and if you'll hang with me here, I'm going to read it for you. And we're going to hone in on verse 23 and 24. So here we go to verse 21. You've heard it said long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them All right. So in verse twenty-one to twenty-five, there we're going to focus on uh, twenty-three and twenty-four, which was, of course, you know, leaving your gift at the altar, going and being reconciled. Uh, by the way, that's out of the NIV, for what it's worth. In the years that I've been involved in discipleship, which has, you know, definitely been some years more than others, I think sometimes these kind of commands—I've never really thought about this being something that I would teach someone to obey. In fact, I don't think I've ever really even thought about it being something that I practice obeying. You know, I think about practicing my fiddle or uh, practicing roping or some sort of skill. But as far as like, if someone said, hey, um, how's your skill of reconciliation going in life these days? I'd probably look at them like, uh, well, that's a weird question. and You're a very weird person. And they would say, well, actually, I'm just trying to encourage you to obey Jesus. Like, oh, well, that sounds pretty good. But this isn't the kind of thing we think about being trained to do. You know, we might hear a sermon on it. Uh, we think about training people to study the Bible or memorize verses. But, but reconciliation, man, it's, it's about as earthy as it gets. One interesting thing about this verse that stands out as an observation is Jesus didn't say, you know, therefore, if you're offering your gift and you remember that you did something wrong, go. It just says if your brother or sister has something against you. So I think it's interesting to start with that he doesn't define whether you're truly at fault or not. Now, of course, that's one of the first things in our minds is, yeah, but Jesus, you don't understand. That person is unreasonable. Jesus, I was only 50% wrong in that situation. So isn't there like a clause or a statute of imitations or something? No, no, I... I think, you know, Jesus is just saying here, if, if someone has something against, against you, go and be reconciled. As, is that always in our power to complete the reconciliation? Ah, that's interesting. Jesus doesn't say, go and try. Well, friends, I don't know what the answer is if someone doesn't want to reconcile. Do you do you never come back and offer your gift? Uh, or these old Jewish uh, people that were listening to this through Jewish Old Testament ears, what did they do? Well, Let's get away from hypotheticals and let's deal with reality. So today I want to tell you a story. So I live in Oklahoma City, and I don't live in an extravagant neighborhood, but I also live in on a street that's, you know, somewhat respectable. People, in general, keep their grass mowed. Uh, some people go beyond and have yards that are extravagant, and other people just barely keep the grass mowed. Well, so I happen to live next to one neighbor who really, I think, sets the bar for the entire street in terms of keeping the grass mowed. Uh, just really, just an immaculate yard. It's it's really a, it's kind of a blessing to live next to them. It, it's like, man, you make, you make my house look pretty good. Well, unfortunately, I don't think my neighbors, well, let's just say it, my neighbors haven't felt the same, and, and with good cause. So I was raised out in the country where mowing the yard was really more of a function of snake bite control than it was aesthetics you know sure we like to mowed yard but you know it's just not that big a deal and it's by all means your freedom if i want to let my yard grow up i'll do it well after living in the city for 10 years you'd think i might have shucked some of those roots but apparently they they die hard so i've lived in my house for two or three years and and I'll, i'll get this story moving here folks but I've lived in my house for two or three years now, and it's been understood that my yard's just not as nice as my neighbor's, but I keep up with the front pretty good, keep up with the back about halfway. Uh, If Kristen and I plant a garden, we don't really jerk up the garden fixtures at the end of the season. We just kind of let grass go around them, and they just kind of become a permanent thing to mow around. There's a patch of grass in the yard. I just decided not to mow because I thought it looked nice tall, so... (laughs) And to boot, we have a lot of weeds, a lot of broad leaves, a lot of grasses that aren't the standard desirable Bermuda. You say, Dave, come on, man, my drive to work's almost over. Let's get this show on the road. It was Sunday. Some of the dust from my edging was blowing toward their house, and my neighbor came out. And Long story short, we had a, an altercation, and it, it, it didn't go well. It, it was a pretty rough situation, and... Anyway, I came in the house after it was all over, and you know, in our culture here in America, you know, I know there's folks that tell each other off every day, especially on the road. You know, we give each other deep stares when you've been at a stoplight, you're on your phone, and that person behind you honks. They come up through traffic, and they give you that look like, I hate you. But in person-to-person interactions, where you actually have to face people on a daily basis... I think we're pretty timid about that kind of interaction, especially here in Oklahoma where folks from the East might say, you e sure are nice here in Oklahoma, I'll tell you what. Well, I guess they don't really talk like that, but the point is, it was pretty jarring to, uh, to have that kind of interaction with my neighbor, and of course, my first, inter- my first emotion was, uh, this is unjust, it's uncalled for, I-, I didn't deserve this, and to think ill of that person. Well, as I came in the house, I told my wife, I said, you know, things aren't good between us and the neighbor. Uh, they're pretty bad. This is this is what just happened. And as we began to talk, uh, and the anger kind of was lowering, and I was in the safety of my house with my wife, whom I trust, I thought, you know, I said, Kristen, we we have been pretty bad on our yard. And she's like, yeah, yeah, we have. We Now... I understand it's it's my right to let the yard grow or the backyard. I'm not saying, well, we'll get to that later. The point is, my neighbors definitely felt, I think, disrespected by the way I was taking care of my yard. They definitely didn't feel loved. Definitely didn't feel loved. As someone, I consider myself a missional type guy. You know, if I was to, say, move to Saudi Arabia, and I wanted to show people there the love of Jesus... I wouldn't hesitate for a minute to quit eating pork. Uh, if I was in India and I was living among Hindus, I, I wouldn't hesitate to give up meat for that season, you know, to fit into the culture well enough that I wasn't offending people. Just kind of like Paul, before he took Timothy on the road, he said, look, buddy, um, we need to take care of this circumcision deal because those Jews are going to flip out if you are not circumcised. But it's funny, as missional as I think I am, the idea of keeping a respectable, reasonable yard uh, next to my, my neighbors, it just seemed a bit too burdensome. Kind of, you know, hey, I- I'm exercising my right here. And, you know, it's always easier for those of us who have, have grown up or, or been raised with the mindset that, you know, missions is important. It seems hypothetically so much easier to show compassion and, and go out of your way for people from other cultures But when it's your neighbor who is raised in the same state as you, it's like, ah, I don't need to treat you that way. You should put up with my tall grass. Basically, when it was all over, I said, you know, I've kind of had this mindset that because I'm busy fathering or because I'm busy being a husband or working or, you know, doing Christian stuff or podcasting, that should exempt me from doing other things that are important but less important, such as yard work. And maybe there's some truth to that, but what I'm learning is, there. You, just because you do one important thing doesn't mean you can just not do another one. You know, I can't choose to not pay my water bill because I'm going to give to my buddy or because I'm trying to buy groceries. Like, some things just all have to be done. Long story short, I guess this situation's really between me, the Lord, and and these people. I decided I was at fault, so. The thought came to mind. Let's let's make some reconciliation. Let's let's do what Jesus says and make things right instead of just ignoring it and then saying, "Hey, I'm gonna go do a discipleship podcast." Well, how about you actually practice reconciliation? So Sunday, I was mowing and weed eating until about 830, 830 at night, and that's uh, not super late. But basically, I spent the rest of the night. I was so focused on getting the yard cleaned up, I skipped dinner. And if you know me, if you've seen me, that's kind of a big deal. And, and the past, what's it now, Thursday? Oh, yeah. Basically, every night that I could, I've been doing some amount of yard work. And it was funny, I, I wasn't sure how the neighbors would react. I thought, you know, the damage is done. Proverbs says that a brother a brother offended is you know harder to win back than a, a strong city. Something to that gist. Basically, once you offend people, don't just think, oh, I'll go make up. You know, in fact, that's a good point here. Just because we try to practice what Jesus talks about with reconciliation, You know, Proverbs is telling us, look, if you've offended somebody, don't think it's going to be easy. You know, it's going to be like a, a walled city. But anyway, I got out there, started mowing. One reason I felt insecure during that process was I knew my neighbors could see me. I was really embarrassed at the idea that they could see me. I just wanted to crawl down a hole. But I got out there. And it was funny, as I faced my fear, this is the key here, I felt so afraid to go work on the yard or go talk to them. And I said, you know what, we can't live in fear. So I got out there and started mowing. And what was funny was, as I did that, with the mindset for reconciliation, hopefully not man-pleasing, but reconciliation, pleasing my Savior, I just felt so relieved. I, I didn't feel any fear after that. I didn't feel ashamed. I felt, I really felt like the Lord blessed me with, just my soul was free of the chains of of anger towards them or embarrassment, because I knew I was doing. If my Jesus says to go make things right, and I'm trying to obey Him, I know I'm. That's a good track to be on. Well, the next day I called my neighbors, expecting that you know things still may not be very good. They may not even pick up, but I called, I said, look, can we talk? And the first thing they did was they, um, the husband said he really appreciated that I didn't blow up in the conversation, or that I kept my cool. Now, truth be told, I was slightly scared and dumbfounded. So even if I was angry, it, it doesn't really come out. But still, you know, Proverbs tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word. It stirs up strife and anger. That's a paraphrase, by the way. And whether it be because I was dumbfounded or full of control, self-control, fruit of the Spirit, either way, my neighbor was like, look, we're, we're glad you didn't. You took that well. And I said, look, I know I've been lazy. I've been cheap. There's things I'd rather do besides yard work. I'm not really into investing money in my lawn. I know there's some things I could do better. You know, my neighbor, he basically said, the friendship is restored and anytime you need time, help, or tools to make your yard better, count me available. I I know that maybe there's still probably some negative emotions there. You know, we're human. I still deal with some of my own, but the point is, I was so blessed that I, I feel like really what happened is I took faith and obeyed Jesus on this issue, and, and he blessed me with the way things turned out. Now, are all things gonna turn out that good? No. And keep in mind my story still this story's still being written, so who knows what'll happen. But the point is I'm not trying to impress you, the listener. I mean, I'm the one who got in this mess. I'm 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 having a topic to podcast on today because I messed up. But I'm thankful that through you know, the Lord's taking it in a good direction. And and Kristen had even told me the day before, he said, you know, you don't know how the Lord's gonna use it. It might be that if you reconcile with Him, and start doing these things that are reasonable, uh, the Lord could use it in their hearts. So, Well, folks, that's the story. So, what are some of our conclusions here? I've been reminded before that even though we listen to the words of Jesus with a New Testament mindset, the people that He was speaking to, they didn't really know the New Testament had come yet. Now, of course, some thought He was the Messiah, so they maybe they had a clue But even them, I think, you know, they were living with that Old Testament mindset. So I'm not an Old Testament scholar, but we see as we look at the early books of the Bible that God took making offerings very seriously. And in fact, we see in Malachi, I know because my house church just went through this book, you know, God calls the people out of, hey, you're offering lame animals? Like, you're bringing me defective sacrifices? Really? No, that is not okay. And here we have Jesus. Basically, it seems like to me, elevating the sanctity of relationships to that same status. Like, hey, don't just come to me with an altar to meet the law. If there's another person who's made in my image that, you know, has something against you, go and take care of it. A few years ago, I had a friend, uh, I'm going to call his name out here, Brett Ellard, from Shawnee. And he, he said something. He said, I believe in redefining relationships, not severing them. Maybe there's someone in your life you've offended. Uh, Maybe it's someone in the, the, the realm of Christendom in the church, someone you go to church with. Maybe it's someone that you used to disciple or used to disciple you. Maybe it's a relative, your parents, whatever it might be. I think it's fear and anger that keeps us from those reconciliations. And we continue sometimes to... Try and engage in Christian work or in discipling others, thinking that, well, that's just the way culture is. You know, I don't talk to, to Joe Bob anymore. You know, we got mad a few years ago, and we haven't talked since. But Jesus, once again, is upsetting our our cultural norms here. He's saying, no, take care of this. This is important. So, yeah, it's scary. It's scary, the idea of going and trying to reconcile with others you've, you've hurt or they've hurt you. Those who have something against you, but who knows how God is going to use that? One, it's it's obedience. If we we're going to be if we're going to be disciples, if we're going to disciple others, we've got to not only do this, we've got to teach and encourage others to do it. Well, friends, that's it for today. So that covers another commandment that we not only need to obey, but we need to teach others to obey it. I mean, I don't know about y'all, but. I hate to say, I think I offend my six-year-old on a daily basis. Now, she doesn't, thankfully, she doesn't hold grudges the same way adults do, but I tell you what, every day I struggle to be kind to her. I struggle. I I say things and do things that I have to apologize for. So, you know, as a parent, that's the first step, is keeping, I think, a short accounts with our, our kids, with our wife, modeling that. And, you know, I think the next step that I need to begin doing is helping her to reconcile with others. Now, being six, I don't know of a lot of interpersonal conflicts she has, so there's not a lot there. But, you know, especially as our son, Jordy, he's six months old now. As he gets older, you know, I have the challenge of helping them reconcile as they have problems. But, you know, in the meantime, I need to be keeping short accounts with my wife, with my kids, and... As the Lord is bringing people in my life to encourage, whether it be somebody that would formally say, oh yes, you are discipling me, or just another believer or friend that I have the honor of spending time with. You know, that's something we can do for each other is we can encourage each other. Hey, reconcile, keep short accounts. So until next time, hope this has been helpful. Hope there's a practical step that you can take. And may the Lord give you courage. Overcome pride and fear that would keep you from true relationship with Him and others. See you later.